Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Michelle Smallman here with you on 101 ESPN. Let's head right now to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line and welcome in our friend MLB Network lead anchor Greg Amzinger. Good morning, Greg. How are you? Oh, I am so happy to hear your voice, Michelle. Dan, how are you? Doing great. After the World Series, I'm in a very good mood. It's the end. I crossed the finish line and I'm still upright. Yes, I'm sure you did. But, you know, looming, Greg, is a lot of drama between baseball, the owners and the MLBPA with the CBA expiring at 1159 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on December 1st. Do you think baseball is going to figure this out or is there a lot of a lot of drama to come? Uh, there will be drama. Uh, unfortunately, that is going to be the reality. Uh, we're expecting the owners to lock out the players come December 1st. Um, that will have a knee-jerk reaction that probably isn't pretty from the player side. There are so many topics that are going to be leveraged and negotiated over. Uh, this is going to be a murky negotiation. And I believe that uh, Commissioner Manfred understands the way he's branded by the players and a union guy that was a pit bull for baseball in labor talks his entire career. And he was extremely good at it and helped the owners keep a lot of the, the, their, their side of the pizza. So I think he has to soften this and he's trying to do that in many different ways. Uh, but his leadership will be imperative to ensure that the 2022 season goes off without a hitch. So what's your prediction? So they, as you said, they get locked out. And then at what point do they uh, get this thing going? What are you hearing? I, I, I have a feeling, Dan, that uh, spring training will be delayed. That, that, that is my early forecast for how this is going to impact uh, the 2022 season. So do I think we'll squeeze in 162? I do. I think it will get done. There may be a postponed opening day. This is just from what I'm hearing right now. Uh, but both sides understand the importance of this. I'm going to sound really over the top here, but I mean what I'm saying. It's an unforgivable offense to be the side that keeps fans from baseball after an amazing 2021 campaign that was essential for the good of American society. And we needed a World Series with fans going crazy. And everything we saw was so important after what we just went through to, you know, quabble over over money that is ridiculous uh, is not going to sit well with a fan base that wants more baseball right now. They can't get enough of the sport. Uh, it's an unforgivable offense, and people will hold it against whichever side is holding out for their extra millions. 
So uh, both sides know that. I really, truly believe we'll get 162 games in for 2022. But, Greg, you say it's an unforgivable offense, and both sides know that. But it didn't stop both sides from having things get ugly when we were in quarantine during a pandemic, and they decided to fight over over how to start things. So even though I completely agree with you, and it's terrible optics, and fans will be furious, I don't really know if either side really has the self-awareness to understand that. Well, I, I, that last negotiation didn't sit well in terms of the court of public opinion on on the owners and, and the commissioner, really. Uh, he could have come out and said, look, executive decision, we're going to play a while before he said we're playing 60 games. And they they really did. Look, if you go and just look at what's going on right now, how teams are going to take care of minor league players in a different way, because that's a bad that's a bad image for, for Major League Baseball. They understand this is under a microscope more than any other sport in, in labor talks because of the timing of this CBA. Fresh off of what we just experienced, I really think the owners understand that a strike is bad for their pocketbooks. Not that they care about you know the the the, the will and the and, and the peace of players and their families and all that stuff. Uh, it, it's bad for them to make money and to stay profitable as owners of a major league baseball organization. So they're going to have to give more. They 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 wiped the floor with the union in the last negotiation. They completely dominated. And it got to a point where, my analogy is, they're up by 40 with two minutes to go in a basketball game, and they still had a full-court press on with their starters on the the court. Yeah, I know you won. I know you're, you're, you're sticking your chest out because you blew them out. But is that really good for the sport? Is that what you want? So there's a lot of, you know, there was goodwill, now badwill because of that last negotiation. They need to soften things. They need to give more. The initial meet and greet between Rob Manfred and Tony Clark sounded like owners are coming to the table going, hey, let's hug first. And that's what they need to do to make sure we get this done. Do you think we'll see any movement or much movement before December 1st? Or do you think that uh, to kind of be like almost a gentleman's agreement, they say, hey, Let's uh, let's hold off on what we want to do. And maybe teams want to do that, too, because they don't know the landscape coming out of the new CBA. But in terms of just player movement, do you think we're going to see anything uh, prior to this thing coming to an agreement? We were just talking about that. It's a great question. Seeing Tucker Barnhart, who I think is a valuable catcher in the big leagues, get traded to the Detroit Tigers, to me, is the beginning of moves like that. Guys that will be traded. I think you're going to see trades. Free agents, nothing. You'll, you'll, you'll hear crickets. This superstar free agent class of shortstops, they're all going to sit and play the waiting game. And then once something looks like it's going to get close, uh, you'll start hearing more buzz. But they bought our, our travel to Orlando for the winter meetings. None of us are expecting to go. None of us are expecting to be there. All the hotels are booked. Everything's ready to rock. We know who in our production staff will be there, which broadcasters, which shows. But none of us are expecting to go there. So <laughs> that is the feel right now. So free agency will be dead silent. But you will see roster moves, I think, Dan, like you saw yesterday with, with Tucker Barnhart. Sure. Greg Amzinger, MLB Network, joining us here on 101 ESPN. Greg, Buster Posey expected to announce his retirement from baseball today. He has an incredibly decorated career, a 12-year career, including three World Series titles. Do you think he's a Hall of Famer? Man, that's a tough one. I, I, it really is. My comp for him is Joe Maurer. And if you look at some of Joe Maurer's incredible seasons, you sit there and go, my goodness, this is 
off the charts. The thing that's on the side of Buster Posey is where is the sport going? We have to stop looking at Hall of Fame resumes the way we looked at them in 1985, in 1995, in 2005. The, the average baseball career is getting shorter the AAV is going up or paying players more per year than ever before because we don't want the long-term 35 to 38-year-old big leaguer anymore. That player doesn't have as much value. You rarely see them now in Major League Baseball. Uh, he went out on top, in my opinion. I thought he had a tremendous bounce-back year, but the wear and tear of that position did get to him. Uh, he wants to be in the Hall of Fame. I've had conversations with him about this. We actually sparred before, Buster and I, I did the top 100 right now. It's the best gig ever. I do a series of shows called the top 100 players right now. And then when I'm done, because I have to like make the, you know, I have to move the needle on that show and argue why a player is ranked closer to number one than another player. And I had a heated conversation with Chris Mad Dog Russo about why Gary Sanchez, after Gary had his best year ever, is trending in a better direction than Buster Posey, who wasn't hitting 15 home runs in a year anymore, and that he should be the catcher that's closer to number one and not Buster Posey. Then I get, after I do these shows, I get to go to spring training, so all the players wear me out <laughs> for, for what I say on these shows. And Buster Posey pulls me to the side. He's like, yo, I thought we were boys. You know, you, you predicted my home run years ago. I, I thought you were a fan of my work. I go, I am, Buster. I totally am. He's like, I don't know why you, you don't think I'm the number one catcher in the game. I go, Buster, you're, well, my point was, you're the most important offensive player to the Giants at the time. And you playing behind the plate is zapping your legs, zapping your power. They, if you don't hit 25 bombs, hit over 300, the Giants have no chance of winning. And look what he did this year. He had over 300. His power went back up, and the Giants were really good. And I go, I think if I was running this organization, I would have you play a little behind the plate and more first base. He wanted nothing to do with that. And now here we are. He's 34 years old. He's walking away from $22 million. Uh, it did have a wear on his body. And it's what Yadier Molina is doing is ridiculous at his age. So for him to just walk away, he wants to spend more time with his four kids. He's a great family man. Uh, I love watching Buster Posey play. He opted out of the pandemic shortened season. I just think his body said it's it, time. And it's a great career. It's a short career. But I think shorter careers are going to be valued differently. And based on Buster Posey's career, I think Don Mattingly should be in the Hall of Fame. So we might change the way we look at a, a lot of guys because of him. Posey's war, by the way, is 16th all-time among catchers and significantly fewer games, and, and that's going to help his cause, I would think, uh, especially with the new-look age. As you mentioned, it's not the same way that we look at Hall of Famers from uh, 5, 10, 15 years ago, so we'll see how that plays out. I am curious what you and your colleagues thought of how the World Series played out in terms of you know, openers, trends, pitching, things that you took away that you say, okay, this is what you need to win a World Series. It's not like we saw in 10, 15, 20 years ago, but this is what you have to have. What were the trends that you guys uh, pulled away? Well, it was unfortunate to see a kid. Uh, yeah, I had a great conversation with Joel Sherman who said, I was more upset for Ian Anderson being pulled out of a no-hitter in the World Series than Ian Anderson was. <laughs> The players are on board with the way games are managed and manipulated. They're on board for it. They're done pushing back. So if the players aren't upset, why are we? 
I think the collective bargaining agreement is essential to almost hit a reset. And maybe we take away the shift. Maybe we have a pitch clock. Maybe we come up with a rule that benefits a team for using their starter longer in the game. I think you're going to see a lot of ideas be th- get thrown out there to try to avoid what we're, what we're watching right now in, in the postseason because the games take way too long. And, you know, time in between pitch is just excruciating. And it sucks that we have a guy throwing a no-hitter through five innings and we're saving him for spring training. <laughs> what, are we, what are we doing? Jack Morris went 10 innings. Guess what? Jack Morris told me back in the day, I'm talking about Jack Morris against John Smoltz. Kids, look it up. World Series game. Jack Morris said, Tom Kelly told him, if we go 20 innings, do you want to stay in for all 20? He said, hell yeah. That's, that's where we were. This is where we're at now. And we got to change course a little bit because it's not the best for the entertainment value. I mean, look, it's a regional sport is what Commissioner Manfred said, and I totally get that. No one in Atlanta was upset that he got pulled from the game because they won. And all the folks in Atlanta wanted to do was win. They were happy. But if we want the sport to be popular coast to coast, L.A. to Manhattan, why would they be watching that game? Oh, because there's a guy throwing a no-hitter through five innings in a World Series game. Once you take him out and they know it's going to be mix and match with a bunch of relievers, ah, it's late. I'm going to go to bed. So <laughs> we got to find the fine line. We got we got to walk that line and we got to bring both sides together to help make this make sense to the casual sports fan. Greg, I was really happy to see Brian Snicker win. I was really happy to see Freddie Freeman win as well. Do you think that was the last game he played for the Atlanta Braves? Yeah, everyone thinks it's a surefire deal that he's going to come back to Atlanta. And I understand that, but I talked to John Smoltz about this. They thought it was surefire that Maddox, Glavin, and Smoltz would wear those uniforms to end their careers, and that did not happen. Uh, this is an organization that, while they are the Atlanta Braves, they don't necessarily always overspend for players, even the ones they love the most. They should bring him back. He, he is an iconic player. He's on the Hall of Fame highway. He needs to be wearing a Braves uniform. He's the closest thing they've ever had to Chipper Jones. That said, there is a team that has a glaring hole at first base, and his swing plays beautifully there, and that is the New York Yankees. I think if the New York Yankees offer him seven years, $210 million, I know he's 33 years old, he'll take it, and I think it'd be the best $210 million they ever spend. He's the, he's the reason why that infield played over 150 games. I'm talking about Austin Riley, Dansby Swanson, Ozzie Albies. From third to first, they all played over 150 games. He's never in the trainer's room, and he demands his teammates to play every day. That is what you sign. To me, that is a, that is a bulletproof swing that ages well. It's not violent. It's short. It looks like he's swinging a pitching wedge. With that short porch in right field, the New York Yankees are going to come after him. And I think the Yankees and Brian Cashman know you get Corey Seager and Freddie Freeman. You get those two free agents with the other right-handed thunder they have, they're going to be the best team in baseball. So it's not going to be an easy negotiation. I talked to Freddie right after he won the World Series. He was up on the set right next to me. And he said it's unfortunate that a deal wasn't done up until this point. So if you're going to let this guy become a free agent, then he's not as iconic as we keep saying he is. I say he is. You guys would agree with me. Baseball fans would agree. But if he's so iconic, why wasn't a deal done before now? So I think free agency is going to be ugly because he's going to be highly sought after. And it's not as set in stone as people think. Carlos Correa played his last game for the Astros. It's not 
set in stone that Freddie Freeman is definitely coming back to Atlanta. My final question would be in the CBA. What are you hearing that you think would be and in the World Series and the postseason, you know, or the hey, the winter meetings, you're always going to hear stuff because all the media is there and there's stuff that comes out. So what are you hearing in terms of the changes with the game? I mean, you talked about it earlier. We got universal DH. We have pitch clock. We have limits in shifts. We have a DH, but yet if you take out your starter, you lose your D8. I mean, what are we looking at here in terms of what we see on the field? I think it's it, you're going to see the union push back on a lot of it, uh, unfortunately, because I'm okay with change. And Commissioner Manfred, you know, gets booed everywhere he goes. And, and again, I know I work for Major League Baseball, Major League Baseball Network, but I, I'm a fan of a guy that owns, it has accountability for changing things. And baseball is stuck in its ways, and the last to jump on board, you're going to see alterations to instant replay, in my opinion, with technology that makes things much faster. You're also going to see more plays get reviewed. There are too many important moments in games where we hear that is a non-reviewable play. That's ridiculous. That has to go away. It's 2021. What are we talking about? Non-reviewable plays. You'll see that. I really do think that a plan will be put in place, Dan, where a robotic strike zone is going to be implemented. So I think that will be in the language of the new collective bargaining agreement. That doesn't mean 2022 will have a robotic strike zone. But what I think you'll see is there will be a company announced that will be working with Major League Baseball to roll this out within the life of the next collective bargaining agreement. And to me, that will be one of the most dramatic changes in the game. Can you fathom a player at the plate and they cannot complain about a strike three call? I mean, to me, that puts the onus on a player of swinging the damn bat, which is what we need. We need more action in the game. It's not just the shift. We need guys who are up there not just trying to walk. So I think that will be some maybe the most over-the-top addition to what we're going to hear in the collective bargaining agreement, a robotic strike zone. Great stuff, as always, from MLB Network host Greg Amzinger. Greg, thanks so much for the time. We'll talk to you next week. All right. I look forward to it. See you guys. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hey, hon, what you doing with your fun? Do flowers have best friends? I don't know. Hey, look. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council.